Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Good afternoon, Kevin. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Happy As, Tuesday. Happy, happy Tuesday. Tuesday to you. you know, the more, I, the more I, again, try to sometimes figure out metrics and all this other stuff, I just start scratching my head, which I have no hair, so I can't pull that out. But, Kevin, after all's been said and done, Arkansas's had two tough, difficult losses on the road. Realize the last one, what, against Auburn was not very close. But uh, the NET, which they change these rankings, change, change every night. Uh, you need to be in that uh, 46 and below range if it gets down to uh, having an at-large berth. After those two losses to LSU and Auburn, Arkansas is holding firm at number 16 in the NET rankings. Yeah, I mean, in fact, the resume is so good. You know, Lenardi updated uh, Joe Lenardi, ESPN's bracketologist. There's a lot of them out there doing a bracketology that are respectable. He's the one that's probably most known because he's affiliated with ESPN, but he does a great job. He updated his bracketology today, and Arkansas remains a three-seed despite losing at Auburn. Arkansas also won a home game against Missouri, who's still ranked, and, you know, is top 35-ish in, in that. So, you know, that could end up being a quad one win if Missouri can somehow get to 30 or better in the final net rankings, which is what really is going to matter most. So right now the resume's fine despite these early out-of-the-gate stumbles. I think that maybe the most concerning thing is that in two previous losses, Arkansas had a chance to win at the end, and in this game, they never gave themselves a chance. And, no. you know, the easy thing to do is fully credit Auburn, you know, a team that's won now 27 in a row at home going back going back to season before last. It's a ranked team. Uh, but, I, I, you know, your eye test tells you something a bit different, and I felt like Arkansas, the biggest problems in the previous two games, splitting LSU and Missouri, was all the three-point attempts. Mm-hmm. They dialed that down and played to their strength, and that wasn't good enough because they couldn't capitalize and finish point-blank shots, layups, free throws. Yeah. Yeah. When you go on the road and you get 10 more free throw attempts and you get 32 and 10 more than your opponent, that's so hard to do. That means Arkansas worked hard to play to its strengths, and then you don't capitalize at that line. You make two more than your opponent, who was much more efficient across the board. Um, and then all the turnovers, it was – Arkansas was snowballing turnovers in its favor and points off turnovers when you went back to the end of non-conference play, OU, Bradley, Asheville. And so far in SEC play, it's been the opposite. It's not been somewhere in between. It's been a snowball in in a bad way. You know, you're minus six in turnovers against Auburn, and that was minus 19 in points off turnovers. And then the one area where Arkansas was dominant was on the glass, plus 13 overall, plus 10 on the offensive glass and it netted them a negative three, a minus three in second-chance points. So even though Auburn was beat up on the glass, that team still won what matters most, and that's how you convert those offense rebounds into points. They were better than Arkansas. So I felt like a lot of this was really on Arkansas, 15 missed layups. Uh, give Auburn some credit, obviously. They didn't, Arkansas didn't just completely hand the game away, but when you see an Arkansas team that's not – in the last three or four possessions in position to maybe win a game, which was the case here. It was a double-digit deficit. The vast majority of that second half and a couple of times in the first half, I think it says a lot about Arkansas's ineptness, and I think it was their worst game of the year, even though they didn't really get blown out. They never gave themselves a chance. 
So, Kevin, you know, we talk about this almost every time you're on, and you, you look at Arkansas's percentage from inside the arc and outside the arc. And, and yes, the free throws probably beat them because uh, they had so many opportunities. They lost the game by 13 points. They shot 43% inside the arc. They shot 13% outside the arc. If you take half those shots that they shot that were threes and just turn them into your 43%, and then you make, say, six or eight more free throws, you're right there. It's an overtime game. I, I know a coach, yeah. has a, hard time, a coach has a hard time telling his players, do not shoot threes, but there are some guys that just shouldn't be shooting them right now, aren't there? No. Well, so you, you've got to keep the defense a little bit honest. You've got to take some. You got to Arkansas take some, actually yes. kept the, they, and they kept the three point shooting down for most of the game. They took a few at the end, which skews the stats because they were down and there wasn't a lot of time left. So they took some extras, but but I think they did a much better job. They combined for forty six attempts in the previous two games. Both of those games were twenty plus. They ended up only taking sixteen. Now they only made two. It's horrible. You know, but you talk about the two-point field goal percentage. That's where Arkansas was ranked in the top 25 in the country just a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh, and they were they finished the game 33% from the field. So one out of three, and a, the majority of the takes were, were inside the Arkansas. I think they were way below what they're used to doing. Again, 43%. give Auburn some credit, but to me, you, when you see guys missing shots they normally make around the basket, and some, many of them were not contested, and then you go to the line and you put up that kind of an effort, I just think – Across the board, I mean, again, the only place Arkansas won was rebounding, and it got them a net negative three and second-chance points. They didn't even win that battle, really. But, yeah, to me, you, you want to be great in rebounding, but it only matters if it translates to either scoring, uh, if you're hitting the offensive glass and are outscoring your opponent that way. Arkansas was unable to do that. You know, Kevin, uh, Alabama may be so good it doesn't matter, but you have to remember whatever you do one night, has no carryover to the next night in SEC basketball. And it seems like, you know, Auburn played horrible at Georgia before they came home and beat Arkansas. I got to believe Arkansas will rebound and play maybe as well as they play all year tomorrow night against Alabama. What do you think? I think there's a good chance of that. Bud Walton Arena is a six-man, maybe a starter. That's how valuable that place is. You know it's going to be packed and rocking. Arkansas's got two. Five-star recruits come in, by the way, from the class of 2024. But it's going to be wild in there, and that helps Arkansas. I think the other thing that helps Arkansas is, despite how it lost at Auburn, it really minimized the three-point attempts for most of that game, which is what it's got to continue to do. So that's a, that's a launching point for playing that way again. So you hope they, they continue that. The other thing is, the one thing about Alabama is, is as good as it is defensively and offensively in so many areas, it's a high turnover team. It averages nearly 16 turnovers a game. And it's got a negative, a net negative in game-to-game turnover margin with its opponents. If Arkansas can somehow dial back its own turnovers and win that battle, get out in transition, win the points in transition, win the, the points off turnovers, um, and, and, you know, Alabama's a superior rebounding team. If Arkansas can hang on the glass and just – if they can just raise their level to what we've seen it at times this year – even though this is a very good opponent, it's definitely beatable. They've lost two games, but you know that. Arkansas is a tough place to play. Yes, Bama's been on the road and, and won it at then number one Houston, another tough place to play. Um, but I just think Arkansas, you're right. Put that game behind them. 
if they can have one of their better games of the season playing at home, to me, Bud Walton Arena is invaluable when you, in priceless when you talk about advantage. I don't think there's a lot of places that are, are on the par with it. Um, you can maybe make the point playing at Auburn is. I don't think so overall. Uh, but I do think Arkansas is going to have a chance to get to 2-2. Two and two. I, I don't think, you know, I, I, do, I don't envision a blowout. I guess it could go that way for Bama because uh, Arkansas is not playing its best right now. But if Arkansas just tweaks a few things, I think it can hang in that game. And if it's close at the end, I think it's going to be Arkansas winning. Let's talk with Tim. Well, never mind. I thought we had Tim there waiting. Uh, this is from John Henry, real quick. Real quick uh, from our Asher Record Service Company Life and Feedback. John says, can you ask Hoop Scoop if there are any under-the-radar basketball boys in the class of 2024 inside Arkansas? Under-the-radar? Well, I guess it depends on what you know, if you were talking about under the radar relative to maybe they could be a high major, I, I don't think so. I think most of the players that are in that class, because it's the, you know, they're juniors now, but they'll have one more spring and summer. So some of those guys can move the needle for themselves. But right now, you know, it's Kayon or Botang, who, by the way, got a bump in on3.com's recruiting service from 16 to number eight, a five star. Rivals has him at number 13, a five star. He's definitely on the radar. Uh, we look at Kate Miller, the big man up at Bentonville. Uh, he's had a, a lot of uh, mid-major offers, some high majors as well, in, including Missouri at one point. Uh, I don't think he's under the radar. Now, he's someone that can improve his stock, and he's 6'9". Uh, so, you know, he's a guy that I think is you know, an excellent basketball player right now. So I consider him on the radar. So he's asking about under-the-radar guys. I mean, Landron Blocker, to me, has a handful of high-major offers. He's a guy that could take another step in the spring and summer and really blow up a huge recruitment. So he might be just a little bit off the radar on a, in a national sense. Uh, we look at Dallas Thomas. He's been on the radar for years out at Parkview, 6'8", guard in that class. Uh, so I'm going through the names a lot of people have already heard because I just don't see anybody that's that's kind of hovering below, uh, you know, that, that radar in terms of being a, a high major prospect. You're probably going to have in every class, Randy, whether it's 2024 or any other one, 15 to 20 kids that might be off the radar just for a low division one and, you know, dancing that line between division one and uh, division two basketball. There's always going to be that, you know, when I look at Lane Taylor, he's a perfect example of a guy that to me is a no brainer uh, mid major. If anybody's on the, off the radar for high major, it's probably him. Um, you know, partly because he's a six foot guard, um, but he's a guy that can play basketball very, very well, and I think he could actually help a high major somewhere down the line. Great shooter, can handle the basketball. He'll be a steal for somebody, regardless of the level of play. All right, Rick Schaefer, Kevin McPherson, I'm Randy Rainwater. Drop time's going to get him by. Kevin McPherson, better known as Hoop Scoop, courtesy of Hallville.net. Uh, with all the injuries involving Dallas Thomas, uh, Kevin, by way of uh, Parkview High School, where do you see his status at this particular point? Well, I mean, he's still a, a coveted prospect. You know, he's he's a guy with multiple high major offers. He's taken some visits, uh, unofficial visits, um, and I, I don't think that changes. I think he's going to work through injuries and uh, get to where he needs to be. Um, that's part of the game, and you know, it, it, you know, he's six eight. And, and probably still growing, 
uh, exceptional length, and just a lot of skill. Perimeter skill can shoot the three comfortably um, and then put the ball on the deck and create. Uh, he's, he's got a very high floor IQ, so he, he's not just driving to finish, you know, to get to his own finishing spots, which he can do, but he sees other players either cutting or, or, or flaring out to the wing, so he can, he can be an assist and set up guys well using all that talent. Uh, defensively is an area I think he's gotten better. You know, with all his size and length on the perimeter, he's been able to block shots. And as he adds strength, strength has become a better defensive rebounder and, and a guy that can, you know, contend through more battles around the basket. So I've seen growth and improvement with Dallas and uh, injuries. You know, you, you hope the best for him and to, to fight through injuries. I know he's had some. You know, I'm not going to speak a lot more on that other than to say I think he's going to be just fine. Switching gears then to Little Rock Central High School. You just now mentioned uh, the tremendous jump for Honor Boltang. What do you see there with uh, with Honor? What what kind of timeline do you see with, with him? Well, we'll see if there's any expedited timeline. He was on a visit to Auburn, by the way, over the weekend and attended that game. Uh, you know, And I know that he wants to get back to Arkansas. I was told uh, just within the last day that he's looking to come back on a weekend uh, at some point. So maybe, you know, maybe when Arkansas is hosting a weekend game, they'll have several of those during league play. But he's a guy that's got, you know, continues to re- climb in the rankings. He's like I said, he's rated a top now top fifteen in two different services, five star uh, in those. Uh, so he's you know when you look across the board as a composite, you know he's top thirty five. Um, but you know at six six with you know, superior athleticism. You know, he when you look at him just physically just standing there, he looks like someone that's already got a college-level physique. I mean, he's just strong and big. And then he goes out and, and, and backs up uh, the physical and athletic talent with a variety of um, things he can do on the court, including he's added so much to his skill game with three-point shooting and creating uh, shots off the bounce. You know, he's a good passer. He plays the right way. And he's got a chance to be an elite defender. Guys. That's the other thing. At the high school level, he at times has, to me, looked elite, if not 100 now, always consistent. But I think his projection and ceiling would be an elite defender. So you put all that together, I see why services see him as a five-star. And Central's got other good players around him. Uh, that's the team I think should be the favorite in the 6A Central. Jonesboro has moved up and is now in that conference. I can't wait to see those two teams match up through the season because uh, Jonesboro will have something to say about it. Uh, you know, West Swift has built effectively a dynasty up there when they were playing the 5A, and I think they're going to be very good and competitive. They have been so far battling that 6A Central. When you're talking about whether it be Honor or any of the others, these are 2024s, right, Kevin? That's correct. So they're about uh, what, really, some cases – Maybe a year away, and I'm I'm including that year, meaning it will probably stretch into the spring of of uh, 2024 before you probably would would hear maybe a commitment from any of these players. Well, well, maybe so. The the timeline is they've got another spring and summer of grassroots, and then that early signing period in November comes pretty quick. So mm-hmm. a lot of these guys will get it over and done with. You know, they'll take more visits. Uh, when you bridge together the five visits, you, official visits you can take now as a junior with senior. Not, most players don't take all ten 
Uh, and sometimes they split it up, take some of their junior year, someone that crosses that timeline where it's now considered an, a senior year official. But you'll see a lot of guys off the board for the early period, so it could be sooner even than waiting until next spring, Randy. For some five stars, they will wait. But more and more now, because of the transfer portal, they like to get it over with. Uh, and that's why when you originally asked me timeline, I mean, right now I think Arkansas and Auburn are the front runners for, for Bowtang. I didn't say that, but I think that's the case. Uh, UCLA has been a, a school that's shown a lot of interest in him, but have not offered. If they offer him, that might change things. And he may take a visit there. But, but you know, there's other schools, with several high majors, Memphis, there's, uh, you know, a, a bunch that, have, that are offered K-On or Bowtang. So we'll just keep an eye on him. Arkansas's got those two visitors coming in, by the way. Ian Jackson, ranked number two in the composite rankings. Uh, was number one for a while, now number two behind Trey Johnson out of Dallas-Fort Worth. But Ian Jackson out of the Bronx at Cardinal Hayes, he's on an official visit. He's, he's, uh, that started today. He'll be at the game tomorrow night. Uh, and then another, the other five-star, Dink Tate, a 6'8 guard out of Dallas-Pinkston, will be on an unofficial visit, and he will be also at the game um, on Wednesday. So Arkansas's got two five-stars in. We know last year Arkansas played most of its heavyweight schedule when you're talking about highly ranked SEC teams, Auburn, Kentucky, and Tennessee, they got those home games late. I think they were all in February or around that time, uh, and they had those high five-star level guys in, Anthony Black, Jordan Walsh, uh, Ron Holland. They came in for you know, some of those games, and so that's what you see now. Arkansas getting Alabama ranked fourth. That's probably going to be their highest-ranked team they'll play at home this year, and, you, and they've got two five-stars coming in. And instead of February, it's getting done in, in early January. Eric Musselman obviously can go anywhere he wants and at least get somebody to come visit. How did he get a player from New York, the number two player in the whole country from New York, to visit Fayetteville? Well, you just do a great job of recruiting, and and you build those relationships. You know, I go back to Arkansas sending Anthony Ruta to Spain when Team USA 17U was competing in those world championships. Well, Ian Jackson was on that team along with Ron Holland and – uh, David Castillo, the five-star guard out of Oklahoma that Arkansas had on campus a couple of times, and we'll get him back as well. Uh, but that's how you do it. You, you cast the wide net, and then you, you make these players a priority. Arkansas coaches fan out since September when the when the uh, recruiting period began in New York multiple times to see him. They made an offer to his four-star teammate, another guard who's a, a sharpshooter, but Arkansas can use plenty of those. Uh, uh, Eliza Moore, like nicknamed Choppa. Uh, he's not coming for this visit, but he's another player at at Cardinal Hayes and, and the Bronx. Uh, but that's how you do it, and it's a great question. You, you know, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. You've got to work on these players uh, for, for a long time in terms of going out and seeing them in spring and summer, going to their games. I mean, all of this has been the, the case with Ian Jackson, and now Arkansas gets him on campus for a visit. You can't get five stars to commit and be – expect to ever get them if you don't recruit them heavily and hard for a long period of time and, and have a presence uh, every chance you can. And hopefully get them on campus for a visit. All right, Kevin, before we run out of time, uh, this maybe not is a $64,000 question, but for me, I sense Eric Musselman is going to shake some things up tomorrow night. There's going to be some players who are going to be rewarded for the extra efforts they're putting in, whether it's late at night or early morning, uh, going to the practice facility and getting up shot after shot after shot. So saying that, do you expect any changes tomorrow night? 
you know, I wouldn't rule it out because we know this is the time of year when Eric Melsman will tweak and, and do things a little differently. We've seen more and more a step up in role for, for Joseph Pinion. We saw Jalen Graham get some opportunities. Now, he didn't, he had some really shaky moments, missed a lot of free throws, missed some chippies, but he also had six rebounds and did that in fairly short order, three of those on the offensive glass. So there were some positives there. Uh, you just never know. And so I think w- when I look at this, Arkansas's best players are the one, really are the ones we've seen in the top rotation. It doesn't mean that they're the most effective right now. And so, yeah, you might see a shakeup in the starting lineup. Uh, you might see an increased role for somebody. Uh, I'm fascinated to find out because I think Bud Walton is going to be packed. And I think Arkansas is probably going to – I really feel like Arkansas will put on a better performance across the board than it did at Auburn over the weekend. All right, Kevin, we will talk with you on Friday. That's Kevin McPherson. Beer Noise Hoop Scoop, courtesy of Hogville.net, Drive Time Sports. 